The left decides Tucker Carlson is responsible for a racist mass shooting in Buffalo. Liz Cheney slanders the GOP as complicit in white supremacy. And the Biden administration tries to tax its way out of inflation. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No, me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you might have noticed the Fed is finally realizing, hey, wait, inflation, it's really, really bad. They should have noticed this like, I don't know, several years ago. But instead, they just kept pumping the money, which is why you should have bought gold when I told you to buy gold. But you should still be diversifying at least a little bit into precious metals today because fiat currency, well, as the name would suggest, it is at the behest of political actors. The Fed has been raising rates to play catch up. They plan to raise rates seven times this year. You're starting to see those ripple effects in the housing market as people's buying power diminishes. Have you considered what could happen in the stock market if the economy stalls out? There's an entire piece in the Wall Street Journal recently suggesting we could be looking at years of economic stagnation in the stock market. Don't wait until that happens. At least take some of your profits from the stock market and solidify them with gold from Birch Gold. Throughout history, gold has maintained its value better than any other asset on planet Earth. Text Ben to 989898. For a free zero-obligation information kit on holding gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Again, text Ben to 989898. Secure the gains you've made while you can. I'm a customer of Birch Gold, along with thousands of others. They've got countless five-star reviews, A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. I trust the pros at Birch Gold. That's why I put at least a little bit of my money with my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Protect your future with gold by texting Ben to 989898. Asking all your questions and then getting started with Birch Gold. Well, folks, we are coming up on the two-year anniversary of George Floyd's death and the radical worldwide repercussions that followed. And Candace Owens of The Daily Wire has taken her bold lens to the people and places that ignited the violent and racially divided aftermath. You can join Candace as she goes beyond what you've been told by the media to bring the truth to light and expose the greatest lie ever told. The trailer for this explosive documentary drops tonight, 8 p.m. Central Time, on Candace Owens' show, The Greatest Lie Ever Told, George Floyd and the Rise of BLM. It's only available to Daily Wire members. Subscribe today at thegreatestlie.com. Tune in tonight to be the first to catch that exclusive trailer. I'm sure it's going to be combustible. Alrighty, so the fallout from the Buffalo shooting continues. We now know that the laws that were on the books should have prevented this from happening. But of course, they didn't because there are always a bunch of red flags that go up. And the red flag logs are rarely taken advantage of. According to NBC News, less than a year after a white teenager in upstate New York was investigated for making a threatening statement in school, he legally purchased a firearm, which he is accused of using to gun down 10 black people in a racist rampage, according to the authorities. The massacre at Topps Friendly Market in Buffalo on Saturday should have been thwarted by New York's red flag law, which aims to stop people from buying or possessing firearms when they show they are threats to themselves or others, according to gun policy experts. There is a law on the books that should have stopped all of this. Instead, after the shooter appeared on the radar of New York State Police in June over a chilling comment about a murder-suicide he made in the classroom while still a minor, he was evaluated, cleared, paving the way for him to legally buy the semi-automatic rifle he's accused of using in the shooting 11 months later, according to law enforcement officials and New York's governor. No official involved in the investigation in June initiated a court process that could have helped prevent the shooter from buying a rifle, according to the New York State Police. Now state legislators are looking into whether those involved followed the proper protocol. Apparently, according to the governor, a teacher had asked the shooter about his plans just before the start of summer vacation last year, and he responded, I want to murder and commit suicide, which is a weird answer to what do you plan to do this summer? School officials immediately alerted the cops. Then the shooter underwent a psychiatric evaluation and was released. The governor said there was not a specific threat or something that seemed to be actionable, but the red flag law in New York does empower school administrators, law enforcement officials, prosecutors, and family members to pursue court intervention when they believe they know somebody who is at high risk of harming themselves or others. And then a judge could very quickly issue an extreme risk protection order, an ERPO, 
which could order somebody, minor or adult, to surrender any firearms and would put law in place that prevent the person from buying firearms. So everybody failed once again because that's the way these things tend to work is that the law is rarely applied even if the law is stringent enough to prevent the purchase of the weapons or to prevent a shooting in the first place. Meanwhile, the left has decided that this entire story is not about a person who appears to be mentally ill going and shooting a bunch of black people at a supermarket, nor is it about even this person's extreme radical viewpoints. It's about the broad Republican Party and the conservative movement in general. So this is a riff on the 1995 Democratic campaign that suggested that Timothy McVeigh, who bombed the Oklahoma City Federal Building, that that was really because of Rush Limbaugh. So the new version of this is that this shooter in Buffalo is due to Tucker Carlson. This is the new version of this, is that the entire right has to be painted with the brush of this racist shooter, because after all, the entire right is concerned about illegal immigration or immigration in general, is concerned about voting patterns, is concerned about demographic changes in the country. Now, all of that is normal political discourse. There's, it's normal political discourse for people to talk about how demographic, demographic patterns in the country are going to reflect particular voting patterns in the country. Right, left, and center, that sort of talk goes on on a regular basis. In fact, it was a staple of democratic talk from basically 2003 onward when the left decided that the rising minority majority in the United States was eventually going to make conservatism obsolete. That was a thesis put forward by John Judas and Roy Teixeira in 2003 in a book called The, the Emerging Democratic Majority. And that, that idea was brought forward by the Obama campaign in 2012. It was repeated ad nauseum in mainstream media outlets, including NPR. Okay, so that, that's sort of normal political discourse to talk about how demographics change the rates of voting and how different demographic groups vote. I mean, literally every poll breaks people down according to demographic group. And then that is used as a way of trying to foresee how the voting patterns are going to move in the future. And when it comes to immigration, there's a lot of talk about where immigrants coming from. Are they coming from countries that are in Europe? And how does that affect the voting patterns? Or are they coming from places that are formerly communist, like Cuba? And how does that affect the voting pattern? People who, who come from Cuba tend to vote more Republican. People who come from Honduras maybe tend to vote more Democrat, right? Like all of this stuff is fair game politically. What the left is trying to do, as we discussed yesterday, is wrap all of this in the great replacement theory bow. And now the great replacement theory is something rather specific. And the attempt to broaden that out to include kind of normal discussions of demographic change in voting patterns or discussions of immigration or discussions of why it would be that, for example, Democrats in the United States seem so all fired intent on allowing hundreds of thousands of people to cross the southern border illegally without policing them and seem intent on amnestying a lot of those people that wrapping that all together with the actual hardcore white supremacist great replacement theory, that's all kind of par for the course, according to the mainstream media now. Now, here's the thing. The Anti-Defamation League, which is now a left-wing outlet, right, run by Jonathan Greenblatt, it used to be a defender against anti-Semitism, now it basically pairs democratic talking points, but the ADL has a rundown on what exactly the great replacement theory is. And in their rundown on what the Great Replacement Theory is, here's what they say. They say the Great Replacement Theory has its roots in early 20th century French nationalism and books by French nationalist and author Maurice Barret. However, it was French writer and critic Reynaud Camus who popularized the phrase for today's audiences when he published an essay titled Le Grand Remplacement or The Great Replacement in 2011. Camus believes native white Europeans are being replaced in their countries by non-white immigrants from Africa and the Middle East, and the end result will be the extinction of the white race. Now, notice that. Notice that, right? It is about the extinction of the white race, right? This is what distinguishes the quote-unquote great replacement theory from questions about voting patterns or cultural assimilation. If you are worried, for example, that people are going to come from countries and bring with them the values that those countries tend to uphold, 
That is not great replacement theory. Great replacement theory is white people are inherently superior and they have to protect themselves. And the way to protect themselves is to prevent immigration because the racial stock of the country will somehow be degraded, right? That is the racist white supremacist great replacement theory. What the left has done is try to spin this into an argument about how if you are opposed to illegal immigration more generally, or if you have questions about immigration policy in the United States, if you think, for example, that it actually made a difference in 1965 when we changed our immigration laws to change the point of origin for mass immigration in the United States from Europe to south of the border. And that actually made a voting difference in the United States, which, by the way, it did. That if you notice that, that that is great replacement theory. That is not great replacement theory. Great replacement theory is the idea that the white race is threatened. It sounds Hitlerian. It's the, it's the, the 14 words that are usually spoken by actual white supremacists, right? There's an actual phrase is we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children, right? It is about the race. It is not about constitutional values or constitutional liberties or about the, the traditions of the West. It's not about any of that sort of stuff. It's about the race specifically. So the reason I'm making this distinction is because the left is trying to obliterate this distinction so as to claim that the mass shooter, who again, trafficked in the direct great replacement theory. If you read his so-called manifesto, this 180 page screed, the whole thing, is about racial distinctions and about how certain races are inferior and certain races are superior and Jews might be white, but they also might not be white and how Jews are conspiratorially placed throughout the American superstructure in order to affect the destruction of the white race. It is very clearly just neo-Nazi kind of stuff. The left idea is to try and lump that in with, generally speaking, questions about immigration or opposition to mass immigration or opposition to amnesty. And if you do any of that, according to the left, this makes you complicit in a person going and shooting up a largely black crowd at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. So this is coming now from the White House. Joe Biden is supposed to visit Buffalo, New York today. I perfectly expect that Joe Biden is going to be extraordinarily polarizing. I'd be shocked if he is not. The so-called great uniter, the guy who came into office saying that he was going to be a president for all the citizens. I'd be absolutely astonished if he doesn't spend today attempting to polarize the American people by suggesting that half of Americans are somehow quasi-supportive of actions like the racist massacre that just took place in Buffalo, New York. So the brand new White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, is now out. She's going to head on over to MSNBC where she can fulfill her true life's passion of actually just doing full-scale media propaganda. So Corinne Jean-Pierre just replaced Jen Psaki at the top of the list. And uh, I mean, first of all, we should introduce Corinne Jean-Pierre, mainly because this is how she introduced herself. So as you will see, she's not actually very good at her job. But the important thing is, because this is the way the Biden administration works, if you are black, gay, an immigrant, a woman, if, if you fulfill intersectional check marks, it really doesn't matter if you're very good at your job. So here is Karine Jean-Pierre introducing herself, as we will see. It, it would seem to me that it would be more important that she's good at her job. I mean, the, the least you can say about Jen Psaki is that she was an able spokesperson for a very bad administration. Karine Jean-Pierre isn't even good at that, but here's Karine Jean-Pierre introducing herself. I am obviously acutely aware uh, that my presence at this podium uh, represents a few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. Representation does matter. You hear us, you hear us say this uh, often in this administration, and no one understands this better than President Biden. So I'm not sure why any of that is supremely important. But apparently, according to the Democrats, it really, really is. So then she starts being asked like actual questions. So she's asked whether Joe Biden believes that Tucker Carlson is at least partially responsible for this because he's pushing great replacement theory. And her is, here is her misdirection. Does the White House believe these views are being amplified by Tucker Carlson? Look, you know, like I said, we are still figuring out the motivation of all of this. Uh, and we are very clear. Look, 
Um, you know, as you all know, watching what happened in Charlottesville was a major uh, factor in the president deciding to run, right, and back in uh, 2017. You know, many of those dark voices still exist today, and the president is, a, is, is determined, as he was back then, and he is determined today, to make sure that we fight back against those forces of hate and evil and, and, and uh, violence. Okay, so again, the, the, the talking point is that this is sort of endemic in the American system. That This sort of hate that you saw at Charlottesville, the, they will not replace us, right? Literally, great replacement theory slogans being chanted at Charlottesville or a shooter, a mass shooter in Buffalo, New York. That is somehow indicative of a broad-scale American movement in the United States. This is being said by the White House now. It's being parroted by pretty much everybody on the left today. Karine Jean-Pierre continued along these lines. She says, we're going to do everything in our power to stop hate-filled domestic terrorism. Well, I mean, it sort of depends on the source, doesn't it? Hate must not have a safe harbor. This is something that the president says very often, especially in these uh, horrific incidents uh, that we have seen time and time again. We must do everything in our power to end hate-fueled domestic uh, terrorism, and we must reject hatred and extremism ideologies that seek to divide uh, Americans whenever we find it in our society. Okay, um, well... It, it obviously isn't even handed in the way that they attempt to fight hate-filled extremism. So Jean-Pierre was asked a, a quick follow-up, which was, if you want to fight hate-filled extremism, why is it the president of the United States is like rushing over to Buffalo, New York to give a speech, and he couldn't be bothered to visit Waukesha after a bunch of white Christmas parade goers were mowed down by a black supremacist? How come the president is visiting Buffalo after a senseless tragedy there, but he couldn't visit Waukesha after six were killed and 61 injured in an attack on a Christmas parade there? I mean, he's visited many communities. Buffalo, he was, we, you know, he was, he's able to go tomorrow to Buffalo uh, uh, before the trip. That is something that was important for him to do. But he has visited many, uh, many other communities. He's visited many other communities. Wow, she is really, really not good at her jobs. We'll see later on in the program. It gets a lot worse. This is her first major presser. Uh, it was not. It was not great. Already coming up, you've got the Senate Majority Leader calling out Tucker Carlson as a white supremacist. But don't worry, this is a very non-divisive administration. Democrats are just trying to bring Americans together. We we'll get to more on this in just one second. First, cryptocurrency. Now you can get it at kind of a cheap price. Let's be honest about this. So there are a lot of people out there. They have questions about crypto. Is crypto going to be destroyed? All of this kind of stuff. I am an investor in cryptocurrency and I own some Bitcoin. I own some Ethereum. And the simple fact of the matter is over the next 10, 15, 20 years, I'm a big believer that cryptocurrency is going to be a store of value. If you believe the same, but you're looking for a place to trade, you need an alto crypto IRA. You can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. Get into investing in crypto, do it in a tax-advantaged retirement account. Alto's crypto IRA is the easy way to get crypto into an IRA. You can trade all you want without the tax headache. You can create an account in just a few minutes. You can invest with as little as 10 bucks. No setup charges, no account fees. Secure trading 24-7 through Alto's integration with Coinbase. They've got 150 plus coins available, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. Open an Alto crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks. Just go to altoira.com slash Ben. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Ben. You can start investing in cryptocurrency today at altoira.com slash Ben. Once more, that is altoira.com slash Ben to get started. Meanwhile, again, the entire media have picked up on this. Chuck Schumer has picked up on this. The very, very temporary Senate Majority Leader, he just straight up blame, blames Tucker Carlson for a shooter who, by the way, says in his manifesto that Fox News is corporate conservatism, which he hates. Organizations like Fox News have spent years perfecting the craft of stoking cultural grievance and political resentment. 
that eerily mirrors the messages found in replacement theory. According to one measure by the New York Times, Fox's top political pundit, most widely watched, Tucker Carlson, has spewed rhetoric that echoes replacement theory at least 400 times on his show since 2016. Okay, that is bad research, and that is, you know, really divisive, ugly stuff there from Chuck Schumer, but I would expect nothing less from this incompetent moron. So Chuck Schumer spends pretty much every day trying to polarize the American public on questions of race. Tucker Carlson, however, must be called out. And again, this is all the precursor to a call for censorship, because obviously if Tucker Carlson is a white supremacist, and if this is a widespread ideology in the United States, we have to shut this stuff down where it grows. It must be silenced. The New York Times is pushing this really, really hard today. So Shane Goldmacher and Luke Broadwater reporting for the New York Times, quote, Republicans play on fears of a great replacement in bid for base voters. Okay, that's this is a reported story. That's not an opinion story. The idea is that Republicans are playing on fears of a great replacement. Quote, the mass shooting in Buffalo was the work of a lone gunman, but not the product of an isolated ideology. In a manifesto, the suspect detailed how he viewed black people as replacers of white Americans. The massacre at the grocery store on Saturday trained a harsh light on the great replacement theory, which the authorities say he used to justify an act of racist violence and on how that theory has migrated from the far right fringes of American discourse toward the center of Republican politics. Republicans across the spectrum were quick to denounce the killings, but fewer party leaders appeared willing to break with the politics of nativism and fear the party has embraced to retain the loyalties of right-wing voters inspired by Donald J. Trump. And this is the shtick. The shtick is that this is actually Trump's fault. It's, it's the evil Republicans' fault. And, and that everybody here is actually mirroring the so-called great replacement theory. Right? They're, they're, they won't get away from the politics of fear. Now, here's the thing. If Democrats keep saying over and over, which they have done for several decades, that the quote unquote browning of America is going to lead to greater progressivism in American politics. And then people say, well, I don't like greater progressivism in American politics. Maybe we need to restrict immigration. That doesn't make them nativist per se. It makes them anti-progressivism. Like, for example, I am very much in favor of a lot of legal immigration. I like legal immigration an awful lot. I really do. I tend to be pretty libertarian on, on immigration, except for cultural assimilation and education levels, and people not taking advantage of welfare. You know, th th those are all issues that go to voting patterns. I've said before, I don't care about the browning of America. I don't care about the skin color of any American. What I do care about is the ideologies that people take into the voting booth with them, and then how their behaviors affect the broad writ future of the United States. But the idea is that if the left says, we are going to bring in lots of immigrants in order to change the politics of the country, which the left does say this pretty regularly, right? they talk about how they want to bring in people from different places because they wish for America to become more progressive. They're, they're not really hiding the ball here. If people oppose that, then this makes you a great replacement theory white supremacist, which is a wild conflation between two very separate ideas. And trying to help them out is, of course, Representative Liz Cheney, who has decided that she is going to essentially make her living now being an MSNBC pundit in the Republican caucus, which, like, listen, I think that I've defended Liz Cheney in the past. I've said that that some of her viewpoints, while I disagree with them, are within the boundaries of the acceptable. But when Liz Cheney puts out a statement saying House GOP leadership has enabled white nationalism, white supremacy, and anti-Semitism, history has taught us that what begins with words ends in far worse. GOP leaders must renounce and reject these views and those who hold them. I'm not sure what exactly she's asking people to renounce and reject. I mean, the, the House GOP leadership has chided Marjorie Taylor Greene far more harshly than the Democratic Party has ever chided Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, actual open anti-Semites inside their own caucus. As far as white nationalism and white supremacy, 
the House GOP literally booted Steve King out of their own caucus. And when Steve King said stuff that echoed white nationalist sentiments, I personally called for him to be primaried and donated money to his primary opponent. So I'm not sure what Liz Cheney thinks she is talking about here. According to the New York Times, House Republican leaders have at times tolerated the extremist views of some in their ranks. Last year, far-right Republican members of Congress circulated plans to create an America First Caucus where the section on immigration talked about the importance of uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. But again, that's not white nationalism. I'm sorry, Anglo-Saxon political traditions. That is language that has been used by Barack Obama, the Anglo-American legal tradition. That's language Barack Obama used while he was president of the United States and senator. The, the, again, like the best they can come up with is that you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar going to a conference organized by Nick Fuentes, who's a white, a white supremacist. Kevin McCarthy came out and said that was appalling and wrong. Okay, that, that doesn't seem like a party that is wildly tolerant of this sort of stuff. But Liz Cheney, of course, gets to make headlines. But listen, I'm not going to pretend that I think that Liz Cheney is insincere here, but I would say that her sincere dedication on, on this is, is misguided at the very best. Meanwhile, you've got the NPR, the New York Times, pushing this idea that the Great Replacement Theory is mainstream Republican ideology, which is really bad and makes the country significantly worse. You have Odette Youssef writing for NPR. The Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory isn't fringe anymore. It's now mainstream. The speed with which this false narrative has tipped into American discourse since a French ethno-nationalist first coined the term roughly a decade ago has stunned even extremism experts who have tracked the spread of hate-filled ideologies. They cite the failure of major social media platforms to effectively moderate such content. The role of Fox News hosts in amplifying these ideas and the uptake of the conspiracy's language by some elected Republican officials. And again, the idea is we have to shut down social media and Fox News is really, really, really bad. So according to NPR, quote, in the U.S., it's often called white genocide. In Europe, it's called Eurabia, said Cynthia Miller Idris, professor and director of the Polarization and Extremism Researcher and Innovation Lab at American University. The baseless theories claim these population ships are orchestrated by elite power holders. In the United States, Miller Idris said white nationalists ascribe the plot to Jews. In Europe, the false narrative blames elite populations for a growing Muslim population. Now, again, what are you what is the exact thing that you are are trying to accuse the elites of doing? If the idea is that elites in the United States are really soft on immigration because they want a cheap labor supply and because they are eager to bring across voters they believe will vote in progressive ways, that's just called politics. If the suggestion is that there is a secret cabal of people who want to bring people across the border to pervert the native racial stock, that's great replacement theory. But the conflation of those two things is really easy messaging for the left. And that is, of course, what they are jumping on with both feet. And it's the entire media at this point. So you've got NBC's Collins saying that white nationalists know the dog whistles, that it's all dog whistles. Now, here's the thing about great replacement theory racists. They're not dog whistling. If you read that manifesto, there's no dog whistle involved here. For example, the baby formula shortage, blaming that stuff on immigrants. That is a pretty standard talking point right now on the right. Um, a much more amplified version of that, the call to action version of that is happening on extremist forums. But the talking points that underlie this stuff is stuff that you would hear on Tucker Carlson every night. And they say that, by the way, unfortunately, they call him our guy. You know, they say that Tucker Carlson is our guy. He's the guy speaking up for them. Um, they know the dog. Okay, this is the game they like to play over here on MSNBC. That's Ben Collins from NBC. Ben Collins from NBC. But remember that the the shooter, the, the congressional baseball shooter, literally wrote a mash note pretty much to Rachel Maddow. Nobody blamed Rachel Maddow for what that guy did. But this, again, is going to be the rote complaint of the left is that Fox News must be silenced because, after all, if Fox News isn't silenced, white supremacy will reign. 
So all of MSNBC has centralized on the narrative that Tucker Carlson, who just happens to be, you know, their actual media competition, must be destroyed. Delenda asked, we'll get to that in a moment. First, you want to keep your home safe this summer. You're going to be out and about this summer doing fun and useful things. And you might not be home. This means you need to keep an eye on your home. Now, you know that Ring makes that video doorbell, but that's not all they make. They also make an alarm. Ring Alarm is an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring when you subscribe. Best of all, you can easily install it yourself. Ring didn't stop there. They've changed the home security game with Ring Alarm Pro. That's why I've decided to team up with Ring. And when it comes to protecting my home, I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a next-level security system. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. After using it, I think they're totally right. Ring combined a home security system and a Wi-Fi router, so this thing helps protect your home and secure your network. So this summer, whether I'm across the country or across town, I know everything at home is protected and connected and that it will stay that way. With a Ring Protect Pro subscription, it's an amazing deal, by the way, I get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call me and can request emergency services, which means I'm feeling a lot safer these days. Ring has an award-winning alarm. Go check them out this summer season. I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. You should do the same to learn more. Go to ring.com forward slash Ben. Again, that is ring.com forward slash Ben. So you have an entire MSNBC panel yesterday blaming Tucker Carlson and Fox for a Buffalo shooting in which the shooter explicitly names Fox as a, an outlet he does not like and names his specific influences, including the Christchurch shooter, including the, the, South, the Charleston, South Carolina church shooter. And this person is not hiding the ball. But according to MSNBC, it's, it's all about the crypto white nationalism of the Republican Party that somehow bled down to this mentally ill racist who shot up a bunch of black people in Buffalo, New York. Because again, the goal is, oh, listen, if you want to have a discussion about whether you think Tucker is right or wrong on this stuff, have the discussion about whether you think Tucker is right or wrong on this stuff. If you want to have a discussion about whether you think Tucker is racist for saying the stuff that he says, have that discussion. But to attribute a shooting to a racist shooting to Tucker Carlson, specifically, so you can through sort of the transitive process, att- the transitive property attempt to censor Tucker Carlson. So just like this violence here needed to be stopped, therefore Tucker Carlson, he said stuff that is broadly speaking related kind of to what this guy was saying. Therefore, Tucker Carlson has to be stopped. That's really hideous. And it's really hideous from the supposed protectors of free speech in the media. Here are the the geniuses on MSNBC blaming Tucker and Fox for what happened in Buffalo. A Times investigation published this month showed that in more than 400 episodes of his show, of his show, Mr. Carlson has amplified the notion that Democratic politicians and other assorted elites want to force demographic change through immigration. And his producers sometimes scoured his show's raw material from the same dark corners of the internet that the Buffalo suspect did. If the reporting in the Times is correct, Mm -hmm. if uh, the people who worked at Fox News are accurate in what they're saying, this is a network-wide plan. Uh, from uh, Rupert Murdoch down. I'm, I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. That New York Times piece, which you went through in detail on the show, was such a ridiculous hit piece. Again, the accusation in that piece is that Tucker was saying that political elites in this country are interested in widespread, cheap immigration, both legal and illegal, and that this will have an effect of moving the country to the left, and they know this. I, I, I don't understand how that's great replacement theory. It isn't great replacement theory. It is just a, a rote observation about the nature of immigration debates, not only in the United States, but across Europe, for example. Those sorts of debates are had in Japan. These sorts of debates are had pretty much everywhere. How does immigration affect our population is a debate that's had in Sweden and Norway. Forget about the United States. This sort of, like, is the idea that if you are anti-mass immigration, that this now makes you complicit in mass shootings? Because if so, then 
I guess that more than 50 percent of Americans are complicit. In, I mean, if that's the slander you're going to leverage is that if you are anti-mass immigration and you have serious problems with the illegal immigration policy of this administration or of the left, and you think that they are bringing in people in order to effectuate some sort of political change, and that that's the reason why this is happening. Again, that is rote immigration talk. That is that is not anything out of the box. If you conflate that with white supremacy, then of course you're going to come up with a dumb stat like 50% of Americans are, are white because you are now redefining white supremacy to mean just normal immigration talk. But you got CNN's Jim Acosta, who really, really misses Donald Trump. He's like John Cusack, the boombox outside Donald Trump's house, shouting for him to come back so people pay attention to Jim Acosta. And more because ladies find you a man who loves you like Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta. Here's Jim Acosta on CNN saying that Tucker Carlson is dangerous. When the New York Times recently ran an expose on Carlson's record of promoting white nationalism and replacement theory, he tweeted out this, a picture of himself holding up the article, the front page of the New York Times, and laughing about it. Uh, Derek, as you know, millions of people absorb this garbage on a regular basis on his program. Fox does nothing about it. Uh, they make millions of dollars off of it. We have not shied away from calling that out uh, and calling Tucker out on this program because what he is doing is very dangerous. Yeah, by the way, this is exactly how you launder ridiculous narratives into mainstream legacy media. So you start off with a ridiculous narrative from the New York Times that's basically just a hit piece saying they don't like that Tucker disagrees with them. And then you find some sort of stat that you basically make up out of thin air where you conflate everything Tucker says about immigration with white supremacy. And then you don't go back to the original source material and quote Tucker Carlson. If you do that, you actually might have to discuss what he said. And then you can have a real debate over what he said and whether it's great replacement theory. Instead, what you do is you cite a stat like 400 times he says X, Y, or Z. This is how you launder a bunch of crap into mainstream legacy media narratives, and then you call for the censorship of people with whom you disagree. Which, by the way, is the point. So you have Anna Navarro on The View, who's going to the logical conclusion here, which is it's time to censor Fox News and go after their advertisers, which is the same conclusion the left always comes to, always and forever. If you disagree with us, you must be silenced. I think it's time to name names and point fingers. Yes, yeah. Tucker Carlson mentioned the great replacement theory yeah. or some version of that mm-hmm. more than 400 times yeah. on his show yeah. since 2016, according to the New York Times. Elise Stefanik bought ads in, on Facebook. And it's not just them. It's other hosts of Fox News. Mm-hmm. It's other Republican leaders. And they yeah. need to be called out. And listen, if you are an advertiser advertising on that station, you are part of the problem. If you sit on the board, and are trying to be a civilized person. Paul Ryan, my friend, I'm talking to you. You are part of the problem. Everybody I don't like is a white supremacist who believes in great replacement theory and is responsible for mass shootings. And the advertisers are. So let's make sure that they are all silenced. And and again, they'll, they'll conflate anything. Anything they don't like is now part of the great replacement theory. So Whoopi Goldberg, who was most recently defending Hitler as not a racist, now says that if you favor election integrity, you're a fan of the great replacement theory. He was concerned that he's being replaced by black and brown people. And I just want to say, listen, if that was the case, don't you think we would have gotten it done? People talk code and say, oh, well, you know, voters and but that's not what you mean. If that's what you meant, people would say, hey, let's talk about the voting laws. But they don't. We know what you mean when you say it. We've been black and brown long enough to recognize it. Stop it. Um, when you talk about voter laws, typically you're talking about voter laws, but apparently now 
If you talk about voter laws or voter ID, you're a racist in line with great replacement theory. If you are actually Adolf Hitler, according to Whoopi Goldberg, you're not really racist because that was white people attacking other white people because Jews are white people. Like the, uh, yes, the, the, I definitely trust Whoopi Goldberg on matters of, of racial nuance. She, she definitely is an expert on this sort of stuff. And then, of course, you have the broadest argument of all, according to the left, and this is Bakari Sellers on CNN, claiming that what happened in Buffalo is what America is, that that's what America is. That's an unbelievable statement. So you have a mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, horrific mass shooting. And this now represents how America treats some 35 million black people who live in the country. That's absurd on every level. Here's Bakari Sellers making the case anyway. The tragedy in this is that it's a cycle. This is who America is. We have this racist attack. We have outrage. We have thoughts and prayers. We have political back and forth. And then we have an entire cycle where it happens over and over and over again. It's, this is how, okay, again, all part of this broader narrative. So here's the question. On a practical political level, there are two things that the Democrats and their allies in the media are talking about. One is censorship. Right? Anything we don't like has to be censored. And the other is you just should stop talking about any of these issues that we don't want you to talk about. Just generally speaking, anything can now be cast in the light of whatever whatever evil is, is out there today. So great replacement theory is now talk about immigration. If you talk about mass immigration or if you talk about how the Democratic Party seems to not only have no handle on immigration, they don't seem to care about having a handle on immigration. And maybe there's a political purpose to that since they are, in fact, a political party. This now makes you an advocate of re great replacement theory racism. There's only one problem with this. As all of this is happening, the most migrants encountered at the southern border in April, the number is the highest in 100 years, 100 years. So if you have questions about this administration and why they're facilitating the entry of hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants every month, if you, if you have questions about this, this means you're an advocate of great replacement theory like that evil Tucker Carlson who's mentioned 400 times on his show, according to the New York Times. And this means that you're responsible for a shooting in faraway Buffalo, New York of black people, not of migrants on the border, of black people in New York. You follow the logic here? It's all transitive property garbage. Yeah, because there actually is a real issue on the border. And we should be talking about that real issue on the border. According to the Washington Examiner, the number of migrants encountered attempting to enter the United States illegally from Mexico rose in April, surpassing all previous records over the past century. U.S. border officials intercepted 234,000 migrants attempting to enter the country illegally last month alone, according to federal court documents obtained by the Washington Examiner late Monday. In the first 15 full months of President Joe Biden's term in office, federal law enforcement at the southern border have stopped more than 2.75 million people. That is in 15 months. 2.75 million people. About half of those people end up released into the United States. U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the federal agency that inspects people and goods, said 32,288 people tried to cross at the land ports of entry but were denied. That figure is nearly three times the 11,397 figure seen in March. Uh, apparently, the number of people actually released into the country is, is greater than 100,000. Fewer than half of those intercepted were expelled under Title 42. About 16,000 were removed through other procedures. So out of the 237, 234,000 migrants who arrived at the southern border, only approximately 112,000 were actually removed, which means that the majority of people who showed up on the border were released into the interior of the United States. And so, so that might make you wonder, like, why are they doing that? I mean, I thought they were in charge of border protection. Why are they doing that? And you might have to start asking yourself, maybe the reason they're doing that is for a political purpose. Like, for example, 
creating a, a base of voters who tend to vote in their direction. I mean, that would make some political sense, would it not? That's not great replacement theory because, again, I don't care about the color of people coming, coming across the border at all. I don't care about their point of origin, really. What I do care about is the cultural values they bring in, the voting values they bring in, the education they bring in, the economic value they bring in. These are all legit immigration questions. But if you ask that sort of stuff, it's really bad. Meanwhile, you've got an administration that's just looking the other way and downplaying all of this. Alejandro Mayorkas, the, the ridiculously awful Department of Homeland Security head, he says, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's just a regional challenge. It's a regional challenge, you know. I was in Panama just a few weeks ago, Costa Rica before then, because we need our partners to the south to manage their borders as well. The migration that the United States is encountering is not an issue exclusive to the United States. It's a regional challenge and requires a regional solution. It's just a region. You know, it really isn't about our border issue. It's about the Northern Triangle and our policy in Honduras. Or theoretically, you could, you know, try to crack down on the amount of illegal immigration. And if you're not, that might make people suspicious that maybe you actually don't oppose illegal immigration all that harshly. Which, by the way, you have an entire Democratic Party caucus that has called for ending Border Patrol as an actual body. In just one second, we'll get to the Democrats who are desperately attempting to swivel away from economics talk because, of course, that means that they'll get their asses blown out in 2022. So we'll talk about that in just one moment. First, this episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. We are fans here at The Daily Wire. The Jordan Harbinger Show features in-depth interviews with some of the world's most interesting people like Charles Koch or Kobe Bryant. It's clear Jordan really goes in the weeds preparing for these interviews. He really asks, I think, deep and probing questions in ways that you haven't heard before. Plus, every Friday, Jordan releases a Feedback Friday episode to respond to listener questions. He covers everything from conventional problems like leaving a dream job to heavy subjects like helping someone escape an abusive relationship. I'd recommend his interviews with Jack Schaefer or Dan Carlin. He's a great interview with Yonmi Park or Kobe. Plus, listening to Jordan goes great with listening to this show. You're already doing that right now. So why not add Jordan Harbinger to your podcast rotation? Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. Again, check out The Jordan Harbinger Show today. I don't always agree with Jordan, but I always learn something new listening to The Jordan Harbinger Show. You will too. Add it to your podcast rotation, The Jordan Harbinger Show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. Again, that's spelled Jordan H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R show in Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast at the moment. Alrighty, to avoid public criticism and peer pressure, would you compromise your principles and blend in with the crowd? Or would you stand up for what you believe in? In 2020, massive act of courage by NBA rising star Jonathan Isaac. So amid pro basketball's league-wide protest against racial injustice, Jonathan became one of the only players not to kneel for the national anthem. You remember, this is a major controversy and the media went wild on him. Oh, he must be terrible. Oh, he must be ignorant. Well, now Jonathan Isaac is telling his story in his brand new book, Why I Stand, published with the Daily Wire's DW Books. Jonathan shares how his experiences and faith shaped who he is and his perspective on the world. I met Jonathan. He's an incredible person. Met his wife, met his pastor. He's just a fantastic guy. This book is a fantastic read. So if you want to hear the story behind a man who made a really courageous stand and gained inspiration and strength to uphold your own values, pick up a copy of Why I Stand by Jonathan Isaac. It's out right now wherever you buy books. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So meanwhile, this administration, which is desperately attempting to misdirect to other issues for the elections, so they tried abortion last week, had no impact on the polls. So now they're trying all Republicans are racist who favor mass shootings. The real reason they're doing this, of course, is because on the economy, which is the major issue that is going to drive voters, 
on the economy, they are just a disaster area. In fact, it's so bad at this point that even Jeff Bezos, who is basically a Democratic lackey at this point, the owner of Amazon, he, he slammed the Biden administration on their economic policy. So the White House has now come after Jeff Bezos. And uh, here's what they said, quote, it doesn't require a huge leap to figure out why one of the wealthiest individuals on earth opposes an economic agenda for the middle class that cuts some of the biggest costs families face, fights inflation for the long haul, and adds to the historic deficit reduction the president is achieving by asking the richest taxpayers and corporations to pay their fair share. It's also unsurprising that Jeff Bezos, who tweeted about inflation, comes after the president met with labor organizers. And Bezos fired back, look, a squirrel. This is the White House's statement about my recent tweets. They understandably want to muddy the topic. They know inflation hurts the neediest the most, but unions aren't causing inflation. Neither are wealthy people. Remember, the administration tried their best to add another $3.5 trillion of federal spending. They failed. Had they succeeded, inflation would be even higher than it is today. And inflation today is at a 40-year high. So Jeff Bezos, I mean, this is how bad their economic record is. Jeff Bezos, who definitely supported Joe Biden for, for the presidency in 2020, is now ripping on their economic record. Hilariously, the Democrats are trying to claim I kid you not, that inflation is being caused by corporate greed. And what we need to do to bring down inflation is to raise taxes, right? That, that'll definitely bring down inflation. If you want to bring down inflation, so the definition of inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. The best way to stop that is obviously to lower the number of goods that you're creating. If you create fewer goods and the amount of money is the same, probably the, the prices get cheap. Uh, it, it doesn't make so much sense. The good news is that we do have a a self-stated, very important black gay immigrant woman to explain this, right? This is her job quality. This is, this is what makes her unique, according to her. According to me, I think she's a normal human being, just like every other normal human being, and she'd be respected as one of God's creatures. But according to the new White House press secretary, what makes her a unique and valuable human being is all of her intersectional characteristics. It obviously is not that she's good at her job. Here's her answer on whether taxation was going to somehow lower inflation. How does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, right? Especially those who care about climate change uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy energy costs and fighting this existential problem, if you think about that as an example. So apparently she just took out a bunch of words there and took out one of our sponsored Kamikoto knives and proceeded to just chop it up for a word salad, because that makes no sense. Remember, the question was, how does raising taxes on corporations fight inflation? And her answer was climate change. That was that was her actual answer right there. Because this administration has no answers, which is why they want to talk about white supremacy and abortion. Right? Because if they had answers on the economy, they wouldn't have to talk about white supremacy and abortion. And this has become the, the actual talking point of the Democratic administration right now, is that inflation is going to be fought by raising taxes on the producers. Why didn't anybody think of this in the past? The best way to fight economic failure is to tax all the producers. Maybe if you go all the way, you can nationalize all the producers, and then you really don't have to worry about the economy at all. You don't have to worry about economic growth or inflation when the when the, if the government could control not only the monetary supply, but all the means of production, probably that would solve the problem. Anyway, Pete Buttigieg, our genius secretary of transportation, who, again, is secretary of transportation because number one, couldn't fill potholes in South Bend, Indiana, and two, is gay. So Pete Buttigieg, he, uh, he has an answer for how to bring down inflation from the U.S. Department of Transportation, fresh back from his nine-month, 11-month, 16-month maternity leave, paternity leave, rather. Uh, here's, here's Pete Buttigieg 
explaining that corporate taxes will save the day. We have a very clear contrast right now, right? You, you have uh, Senate Republican proposals that are about raising taxes on the poor and the middle class. And you have the president's worldview, which is shared by the majority of Americans, uh, that if anybody needs to be uh, carrying more of the load right now, it is the wealthiest and corporations that have become uh, extremely profitable. By the but way, corporations also that have inflation. often, you, well, hold on, this is really important. Well, corporations that have invoked inflation else. as an excuse to keep prices high in ways that are not just reflected by the supply picture and are pocketing the difference. Oh, the, the, so corporations just got greedy and now they are keeping the prices high because they have plenty of supply and there's no competition in the market. That, that, that makes perfect sense. So little sense that Andrew Ross Sorkin, who is a member of the economic left, is saying to people, I don't even know what you're talking about, dude. What are you even talking about? That didn't stop Buttigieg from going after Jeff Bezos. Bezos tweeted, in fact, the administration tried hard to inject even more stimulus into an already overheated inflationary economy and only mansion saved them from themselves. Inflation is a regressive tax that most hurts the least affluent. Misdirection doesn't help the country. What, what do you think of that analysis? Look, the, the president's theory of the case when it comes to economics is probably never going to be wildly popular with billionaires for the simple reason that he is calling on them to pay their fair share. Oh, they're so tiresome. So basically, they go right back to the drawing board with if the economy is bad, it's because people who are rich aren't paying their fair share. That doesn't explain inflation. It doesn't explain anything. All of the activity that this administration has pursued has made things worse. And this is why, again, they watch this hand. This is the white supremacy abortion hand, according to the left. You got to watch over here. You have to watch over here. I mean, the economy sucks over here. It's terrible. But over here, pay attention. Tucker Carlson. Ooh, look at that. We're gonna, we got to kill the babies. Over here, check up. The, the misdirection is truly incredible. By the way, the, the Xavier Becerra, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, he acknowledged yesterday that the FDA knew baby formula shortages could happen and they didn't do anything about it. You're doing great, guys. You're doing just great. At all times, FDA recognizes what, it might, what might happen when it moves in to tell a plant, a manufacturer, that they may have to uh, take pretty dramatic action, uh, no doubt. But at the same time, Kate, we have reports that there are some children who have been infected by the uh, chronobacter disease. Uh, we know that a couple of children. Uh, this, these idiots. So they said, the, so he's saying the FDA knew that we could have a baby formula shortage and they didn't relieve any of the regulations on bringing in foreign baby formula from places like Germany to fill in the gap. You guys are doing amazing. You're doing amazing. Probably you should talk more about great replacement theory and about why babies need to be killed up to the point where they exit the mother's womb and maybe beyond. That's what you should talk about. You'll definitely win elections this way, guys. Slow clap for the geniuses at the White House and their, and their drooling lackeys in the media. All right, we'll be back here with much, much more later today. Coming up soon is the Matt Wall Show airing 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, Hair and makeup artist and wardrobe, Fabiola Christina. Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. 
Today on the Matt Wall Show, schools in Virginia will soon be expelling students as young as kindergarten for the crime of, quote, malicious misgendering. Also, the new White House press secretary is black and gay and expects to be applauded for it. She also happens to be terrible at her job. Democrats say it's a racist conspiracy theory that they hate so-called whiteness, but we'll listen to their actual words on the subject today. Plus, Eric Swalwell brags about being a terrible parent. A TikToker attempts to answer the what is a woman question, but she does it in the form of a poem. And in our daily cancellation, we deal with the new phenomenon known as land acknowledgements. We'll talk about all of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.